This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. My name's Adam. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast, and today we have Ross Reed on the show. Ross is the mind, the body, the voice, the human behind Nerdy About Nature. If you haven't seen what Ross puts out, go check out Nerdy About Nature on Instagram or the Nerdy About Nature website for their podcasts and, and all the good stuff that Ross does. Uh, huge fan of what he does, and uh, and I'm psyched to talk to him. We just got to chat about the environment. We got to chat about the outdoors. We got to chat about some of the things that he really loves and cares about. So I really think you'll enjoy this episode. I'm glad to have made a friend like Ross, and I'm excited to see where things go for him in the future. Before we jump into the episode, we have a couple of sponsors for today, including Rumple, the original puffy blanket. Uh, if you need a puffy blanket, if you need a new blanket, an outdoor blanket, camping season is coming, outdoor activity season is coming, and Rumple has you covered, I guess literally and figure, figuratively. I'm obviously a huge fan of the product. They work with all kinds of individual artists. They work with a bunch of different athletes that we've had on the show work with like the NFL. Um, so really, really proud to have these guys as a sponsor. And like I said, if you need a blanket, these are awesome. They're packable. They even make a nano series, which is super light, easy to just throw in a backpack. If you're going on a quick jaunt, think you might get cold. You're sitting around a fire. You just need something quick. Those are great. These are like my favorite go-to just throw around the house, have in the van for whatever I need it for just on the go. And they also make the everywhere towel that thing is the best it's like a microfiber towel it doesn't get gross doesn't get all slimy and moldy and all that stuff so i tend to just leave it in my gym bag after a quick dip after a sauna after a workout i've been abusing that thing so go to rumple.com and check out everything that rumple has to offer next we have sierra nevada sierra nevada makes the best non-alcoholic product as well as the best alcoholic product out there uh, they have a whole slew of new offerings for the spring, but as you can see in my hand, Hop Splash is the go-to for a lot of us here. Uh, it is completely alcohol-free, calorie-free, and it is made with Citra and Amarillo hops. Uh, it's really good. It's weird to like smell a thing and be like, kind of smells like beer, but it tastes like a seltzer. It's really good. Huge fan, and you can buy it at SierraNevada.com. You're looking for any of the beers, whether that's a hazy little thing or any of any of the little thing products, honestly, go to SierraNevada.com, find your local retailer, go to your local package store and pick yourself up some Sierra Nevada today. Please enjoy responsibly. Must be 21 years of age or older to consume everything but the hop splash. You can be 10 and drink the hop splash. So go for it. And without further ado, here's our episode with Ross Reed. Tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we can go from there. <clears throat> um, well, my name is Ross. I am, I guess, an outdoor nature educator based in the greater Pacific Northwest, the bioregion of Cascadia, out on the west coast of Turtle Island, currently residing on Vancouver Island on the lands of Yukulatath Nation, um, although I'm from... Oh, kind of from all over originally um outside of seattle and washington state made my way up north a few years ago um 
to like Squamish, Lowat territory, and then out here to the island. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. My my background is in filmmaking. I've done like action outdoor sports um, for like a solid decade and a half. And then I started up this really fun kind of passion project right before the pandemic called Nerdy About Nature. Um, it was just like me rambling into my <laughs> camera, like doing a cell phone, like selfie cell phone style videos about like cool things I'd find out in nature. And it was purely just a joke, just something super fun that I would do for like friends and family. And then when the pandemic hit, um, all my film work just dried up. So I had all the time in the world and nothing to do, but focus on this kind of educational outlet. And it's just kind of spiraled and grown from there to a really fun project that has evolved from not only these like little selfie videos on, on Instagram and stuff, but longer form educational content on YouTube podcasts, all the, all the like, it's great. That's awesome. How, how did this, like, what made you want to do this? I know you said you started with like, it just being friends and family and stuff, but like, what, where does this come from? Uh, it's a good question. I I don't know. Like I again, I can't say I ever like wanted to do any of this. It's not like I was. This was like a goal or like something where I was like, oh, I'm gonna create like a super fun educational thing. Like it literally has just kind of like happened. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like it's a it's been a really great kind of learning process for me and a, a good project that's kind of kept me like inspired and engaged with uh with the outdoor world in like a more constructive way um yeah again like i i just kind of like fell into it and then it like has it's just given me a great opportunity to like relay a bunch of fun facts that I've collected over the decades of just like being outside and being stoked and curious about the world around us and has kind of continued to evolve and to be like um, more educational and advocacy about, you know, getting people out and um, informed and engaged about the world that we all share. So that the idea is that we can hopefully build stronger relationships to the outdoors, get people to care about them and love them, and then thus be inclined to act in ways that, chain that you know preserves the outdoors that changes their relationship to it so that we can create a healthier happier more functional world not only for our society of human people but like the broader society of 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 people tree people animal people fish people all the other beings on this planet that we all kind of work together in this this system that we all literally need to, to thrive yeah for sure how how did you build an education for yourself so that you can talk about these kind of things. Like it's not a, like when you talk, you're clearly into it. You're very about it. And you have a baseline knowledge that allows you to speak to an audience. So how, how did that part come? Like, did you just know things? And then eventually you were like, Oh, okay, let's just talk about them. Yeah, no, it's really funny because I, again, like it's just like this culmination of like, of, of, like, I don't even know decades of just being like, yeah. <laughs> um, when I was like, when I was a kid, like I've always been into out, outdoor nature stuff. Like I grew up, you know, playing with GI Joes in the mud and making stop motion videos of, of like dinosaurs, Jurassic Park dinosaurs in these like little creeks behind my house and just getting like, you know, totally 
just loving the elements. Like I have vivid memories of like going in from playing outside and my mom just taking the hose and like spraying me down head to toe. Cause I was just coated in mud. Um, and so I've always like been drawn to doing outdoor things. And with that, you know, I got into skiing at a young age, um, surfing later bi- biking, hiking, climbing, all of that stuff. It's always kind of kept me outdoors. And then through this kind of like outdoor, uh, like exposure i've always been just like curious about what's around me like found just like a patch of moss and like what the cuss is that you know like dig into like this or, or looking at different trees and the way that you know trees have been like a big kind of gateway drug quote unquote for nature for me because they just they take on so many cool shapes and there's so much to say about like the resilience of each one like they just and especially when you're going out and exploring like more alpine environments where you get like a lot of crumb holes and scraggly twisted trees and stuff there's like something that I find to be really inspiring and captivating about that. Um, Then at the same time going to school, uh, I had a really terrible experience with a math teacher um, in high school specifically. Uh, I've never been like great at math, but then I've had some teachers who have made it really difficult to even like get by with math. And there's a difference between like, you know, getting me to like love it. Sure. Like I'm not going to become a mathematician, but I've had some really bad experiences with teachers who have just were terrible. Yeah. And that always kind of scared me away from doing anything related to math stuff. So when it came time to go to college and I was looking at what to do for school, I started to go to school for biology, um, like film and and biology stuff. But then as soon as it came time to take like the chemistry and physics aspects of that to really pursue anything further in biology, like the numbers just totally threw me off. It was just like, no, want absolutely nothing to do with that. So I stuck to the creative side and just did film stuff, which was awesome. And then out of school, <laughs> sorry, I'm just kind of coming over a, a sickness too that's got me coughing a little bit still. Right. Um, just getting out of school, I started pursuing more outdoor film stuff and have done that again, like I said, for a decade, which gave me like a great opportunity to travel around. And the whole time I was just still keeping on that childhood style passion. I'm just like curious about what was surrounding me. So I would like in my free time, I would read books about trees or read books about the ecology of the area that I was in, or I'd go somewhere new, um, like Australia. I lived in Australia for a couple of years, and I would just like the like the <laughs> the plant life and animal life in Australia is totally different and unlike anything we have up here. It's so prehistoric. So it would, it would send me down these like realms of like looking into evolution and when did plants split off? Like when did we get all these different like you know, offshoots of life that we know on this planet. So I've just kind of become fairly well-versed in like a lot of different concepts and ecological evolutionary sort of geographical concepts that have filled me with a ton of fun facts that has given me a great like place to start for like a lot of this, this stuff. Um, And then nowadays, like, because it's become more of a thing, it's kind of becoming like my dream retirement job in a way where it's like I never want to like fully retire or stop doing anything but I love having an excuse to just like sit down for a couple hours and read a book and just get like just research something you know so if I can keep finding like ways to be intrigued by like you know the natural world or, or, or things happening kind of in the more political sphere about the natural world it just gives me a good excuse to keep like reading up and keep my brain sharp and keep learning things. And I think that's a really fun part of life that not a lot of people, or I think it's a really fun part of life that um, our education system kind of scares people out of pursuing as they get older. 
you know? Yeah. Do you find that to be a problem? Like one of the things, the first things that you mentioned on the website is talking about making the outdoors accessible and making education for the outdoors accessible. Like that's, uh, Mm -hmm. you're right. I think in traditional school systems, it's, it's very like you're either a school person or you're a creative person. And I don't think that it, like there's so many other avenues that like take parts of things and build on that. But I think, like you said, if you have a bad teacher or something doesn't align well, it's really Mm -hmm. hard to find yourself invested in something if there's all these deterrents, you know, just because of the way the system is made. So I I wonder, like, about the accessibility side of it, was that, like, one of the goals when you started this was to be able to offer this type of, like, fun, engaging content that people could understand? Yeah, totally. And that's been a, a huge kind of motivation behind the whole thing, you know, especially when we start talking about things like related to forestry in BC here, which historically has been this topic that like you needed to have a register, you need to be a registered professional forester, have a forestry degree or have some sort of like stake in it in order to even have an opinion on it. And that has historically just kept so many people who are interested, but don't have the capability, the understanding of these concepts, like beyond like the surface level to really voice a constructive like opinion about it. So for me, it's been like, you know, breaking down these barriers and, and really getting everybody who has the remote, the slightest interest, giving them an opportunity to see it further and, and, and be part of these conversations. Cause you know, they, they're all, they're conversations regarding things that we all have stake in that impact every one of our lives, whether or not we like care to know what species of lichen is up on that branch 20 meters in the, in the air, like whether or not you care to know that, like the impact of whether or not that tree is standing or not, has like trickle down effects to your life. Um, and it sounds like kind of hocus pocus and broad sweeping to say that, but it's, that's the reality that we live in, you know, when, when you think about the ecological function of these intact ecosystems, I think it's crucial that we get more and more people understanding even just the most basic of concepts. And I don't think that is a thing that is really offered very easily in our traditional quote unquote, Western European style of education that we've kind of adopted through colonization and and have here, you know, it's like very rigorous where we go through, we have to have our subjects and we have to get whatever grades and it's very like disconnected. And there's not a lot of opportunities for people to find that, that one-on-one personal connection with something and be able to know it more than just like a subject that they see in a textbook, but have no actual real world experience with. So I'm trying to bring that to people and give them a chance to like, you know, just be walking down the street wherever they live and be like, Oh my God, that is a hemlock tree. And I know it cause some crazy fast talking guy <laughs> on the internet told me about that last week. And then it's like, that's the first step. As soon as you know what a hemlock looks like, you're going to see them everywhere. And then you're going to start caring about them. And it's going to become, it's just like, you know, it snowballs. So, yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised at any point that people care as much as they do about the environment and like the things that you're talking about? Because it's not a thing (coughs) that I expected. Like you look at social media, right? And it's all like glitz and glamour and like everybody shows their best life. And Mm -hmm. I was surprised to see how many people are engaging with you and the content and like how many people are like fully invested in talking about trees or I just watched the one about fungi and it's like you're, it it seems like you've captivated an audience that actually genuinely cares about this stuff. Were you surprised about that? Because we're in a, we're in a, 
time right now when everything is so digital and everybody's so hopped up in their own lives and so much like hustle and bustle. But I guess there's a counter effect to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm still just every day is I'm just taken back by the amount of support and stoke that people show for it, which is really inspiring for me um, because um you know i don't know we just we live in in such a world where there are so many distractions and like it seems so deliberate by like you know even on social media like all the social media channels like they're just trying to suck your time and attention out of your life so you can spend more money on shit you don't need and like that's kind of the way that this world this consumer world that we live in has evolved and it gets really overwhelming at times. Like me, I have like a really hard time staying positive and optimistic about the future of the world when that's like kind of the reality that we live in. So to see so many people be not only like accepting of like the things I'm doing, but like stoked on it has been like a really nice uplifting feeling because it gives me hope that that you know there is a way that we can get out of this system or 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 change it you know or, or at least get people um thinking about things differently and i think that's the real kind of goal behind the project you know i feel like so much of what we do in society we're just kind of tuned out and on autopilot like even going through life again going back to that same system you know we're like taught at a very young age to just like go to school, you do this, you get your diploma, you go to university, you get a job, you get, you know, your stability, you buy a house, you get a partner, you get a kid, a dog, white picket fence, and you do all these things up until you get the age when you retire, then maybe you travel a little bit, and then you, you know, hang with the grandkids and pass away. That's kind of like this flow that we've been taught to accept and that we should do. And like, within that, I feel like it leaves very little wiggle room to like, express yourself and do things differently so really i'm just trying to get people to like reflect on where they are and and where they are in life and, and the world and what surrounds them and trying to get them to i don't know have more holistic collected conscious interactions with the world that they share and think about their impacts beyond just like the short-term um pleasure seeking gratification they get in the moment you know like Everything we do has an impact. And if, you know, you really care about the future and your kids and all the stuff that we've been taught to say that we care about so much, it's like, why would you not try to just change the way that you do things to leave them a better world? Yeah. So on that, on that note, what, what are things that people can do that they don't necessarily (laughs) think about in terms of like, like what they can actually do. There's so much talk about environmental advocacy and, you know, learning more about the environment and climate change and all this stuff. But I feel like it almost has gotten to the point where it's overwhelmed a lot of people to the point where they almost Mm -hmm. just shut it out. And it's like, Oh, someone else will take care of that. But like, because I don't know, I'm driving down the street the other day and you're watching like some big factory, just pour smoke out into the, like into the air. And you're just like, okay, cool. Like me riding my bike to work this week actually impact anything positive. If, that's happening at the same time. Like I'm not offsetting that. So what, what can people do that's actually positive in their own lives, like day-to-day changes that they can make that actually makes an impact in your mind? Well, that's an interesting one you brought up there. So like riding your, your bike to work, how'd that feel? Feels good. Feels good always. Yeah, exactly. It feels, feels good. You're more energized. You're in a better headspace, whether or not you're like contributing to like solving the climate crisis because you're not driving that day. 
I think even just being in a slightly better mindset because you bike to work is, is worth it because that's going to help you do everything else that you do during the day in a much better way. You know, like it's, there are like concrete actions and things where you can like calculate your carbon footprint per action you do. But like, ultimately, if that's degrading the quality of your life to a point when it's leaving you depressed and in ruin about the state of the world, that's not a constructive place to be either. So I think it's all in balance, you know, like we have to be able to like, to make changes and, and, and view things differently but not by like living in excess or anything or like being just totally careless with our actions. I think it's like, again, like conscious thought about how we're interacting with the world that we share. Um, And I think, I think the biggest thing that people can do is just kind of have that broader sweeping mentality about it where it's like, nobody's perfect. You're not going to be perfect tomorrow. And like, there is no way to be a perfect person citizen not contributing to climate change not doing anything in a broken system that we live in right Right. like there is no way to do it like even if you bike everywhere where are you getting your food where's that coming from is it like plastic wrap like what's happening like everything just like there are so many kind of i don't know if you read and have you heard of this this um guy called timothy morton he's an author amazing philosopher, like one of my favorites to read. And they have this really interesting concept of like, um, the end of the world is kind of already, already here. Like it's already happened. You know, like we, we talk so much about like stopping global warming and and climate change as this, from this like place of fear and thinking about the future and like a fear stance for like, Oh, if we do this now by 2030, we're going to save 90% of the things. And if we miss it, then it's all over and we're wrecked and it's ruined. And it's like this really, like, it's a, it's a traumatic place to exist. You know, it's a hard place to live in that state, but their argument is that if you take the approach that like the end of the world, the apocalypse already kind of happened at the birth of the industrial revolution and we're now just like within that change and and sifting through the ripples and the and the shock waves of these big changes that have already happened i think it takes a load off because you're no longer looking at the these problems solve these problems from a, a way to like solve them to keep something from happening out of a fear-based state you're now recognizing that we are actively in this like slow motion explosion of stuff and that it's our role to adapt with that like we're not going to be able to change or stop or or i guess we can change but we can't stop anything from happening that's already kind of in the works if anything it's just about like how can we alter or change the ways that we're interacting with everything else around us in this big slow motion explosion to kind of adapt and create a better world for everything as much as we possibly can during this change so yeah. it's like you gotta I don't know, take some stress off yourself because it's just you're gonna go insane trying to internalize and, and make yourself responsible for everything like yeah it's it's a difficult thing yeah. and like everybody does it. i do it to myself all the time it's like i stress myself out about these bigger things that i can't control and then at the end of the day i'm just like fuck dude do i even care anymore like what can i even do it's like right. it's a broken system what's the point yeah Right. It's like, there's gotta be some way. And I think that's, that's a really good point. It's just like taking the steps to make it feel a little better for you and make it feel a little better for the future. Because I think the, the talk of like, Oh, the climate's going to change. The glaciers are going to melt. Like it's not gonna, Mm -hmm. like we're already there. 
right? Like we've been there for a while too. It's just like, right. but now, you know, the argument that we're still having with people and I think it's happening a little less and less is like, we actually need to give a shit about this stuff. And it's no longer the conversation of, is this stuff real? It's, it's real. Now, what are we going to do about it? And I think that the change in, mm-hmm. in that realm is actually, it's a nice thing to see, but it almost feels like everything is happening 10 years too late. Right. Totally. And, and I think if that's, that's like the one thing I would tell people to do is just stay engaged, stay aware and like active in these conversations and in this like, you know, state of humility and change and like recognizing that we're all kind of going through this together. So like, don't be pompous. Don't think that you're better than anybody else. And don't let anybody else like get you down. Like we're all kind of going through this together. So I think the worst thing that you could do is just like disassociate and tune out and like not, you know, not vote, not um, go down to your local, <laughs> your local community board meeting and like, and sit in on, on discussions and see what's happening in your neighborhood. Like, I think we all just need to be much more in, involved and engaged at every level where we live, because that's the first place where we're really going to have an impact and the place where our efforts are going to be most seen. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about like, the, over the last few years, there's been a lot of com- conversation and a lot of action, government action too, about like protecting natural spaces. Like, is that, I don't know, that's a conversation that I think gets everybody really ramped up on social media, but I don't think it actually, it feels like things don't get better on that front. Like it feels like more and more just gets taken away from natural, like true, like, I don't know, like truly open spaces every year. Mm-hmm. Like, is that are you seeing it the same way that I'm seeing it? Or are you seeing that get better where like, you know, the government and the politicians and like this kind of stuff, act- they actually care a little more about preserving those spaces. Like, cause I feel like it's just a go-to thing to say right now is like, Oh, we like look, Biden is a good example, right? It's like, right. Here's yes. We care about the environment. We're environmentally clean. And then like, we're, you know, we're doing horrible things for the environment on the daily. So like what, I don't know. What does that look like in your head? It's that's such a funny one because it's so it's it's so inherently hypocritical um, <laughs> because like like there's so how do I even break this down <laughs> like there's so much to go over like the concept of like conservation and preservation like inherently is a very western white person's ideal of like we're going to set this aside and we're not going to touch it and it's going to be pretty forever and we'll take vacations there and it's going to be great and then everywhere else in the world we can do with whatever we want because you know manifest destiny we're here to you know take god's resources and churn a profit and i just think that's such a funny way to look at it because it's it's still within that very anthropocentric western mode of thinking where there's humans and then there's nature so there's the human world everything that we make everything that we are our interactions and everything outside of that is nature and whether or not we deem it as a resource or a preservation for conservation areas like all these different things it continues to separate us from that reality so it's like <clears throat> like yeah i i'm all for conservation and preservation as like a band-aid fix. Yeah. But ultimately, I think like as long as we keep separating where we have this is for conservation and then this is a resource, we're still fueling that Western consumption mas- machine that just 
views everything as solely a resource for extraction, for development, for making a monetary, tangible, valuable good for the 1% who control what gets re deemed a resource and everything. When it's like reality, it's like we should be, you know, preserving, conserving stuff to keep it from being degraded by that machine system. But at the same time, we can't live in an isolated world where things are just preserved and conserved like humans have always been active parts of these landscapes and these natural systems and to preserve it without indigenous involvement or, or without any sort of involvement from the people who have lived on these lands for you know since time immemorial and been able to like form relationships with these lands it's like we need to like allow them to be there and then we need to adjust the greater kind of societal thing that we live in to be more in that that state of reciprocity with the land so it's like conservation is a band-aid approach to like keep the western machine of progress quote unquote from destroying it but then as a society it's like we need to get out from under that umbrella of this again anthropomorphic western umbrella to become like better stewards of the land and change our relationship to the land so that we can create a system where we can like prosper and thrive and do all of this, but in a way that isn't going to destroy these ecosystems or the ecological function that they serve or anything regarding biodiversity or climate change. Like we need to be able to work and take our place as fellow animals along with everything else on this planet and stop acting like we're better than everything else. And so I find that whole concept like really funny because it's like just under the guise of like Western government that determines what's protected and what's developed when it's like the whole mindset of Western government is what needs to be dissolved. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I think, this goes back to like one of your original points. It's like, I, I feel that as <laughs> soon as people connect themselves to nature and they feel like this is what they do and it's part of them, they start caring about it a little more. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I hope that that part happens more because you're right. There is this complete disassociation from nature where people feel like, Oh, I'm going to go for a walk in, in the outdoors. Right. It's like, they don't, they look at like, work home as this totally different entity as like being outside. Right. And it is in a way like the civilized, like city life is very different than like just going out and being in nature in a structure from a structural standpoint, because of the way that mm. society is just built and designed. But it's, it is interesting to see the way that people split themselves off from that. And they're like, Oh, I need some outside time. Right. And that's very different mm. than walking outside their office building. They need, they need time in the outdoors, but that is becoming harder and harder for people. It seems like to actually go and access, like how many people are living in a city and like, don't actually go out and like go for a walk in the woods very often anymore because it is what it is. Right. Right. And I think that's an interesting concept too, is because like for those of us that are like lucky enough, fortunate enough, privileged enough to be able to get into these outdoor spaces, um, it almost becomes like a whole new identity marker where it's like, I am someone who likes the outdoors. I'm extreme. I only wear Arcteryx yeah. and Patagonia and I'm getting after it every day, like every moment that I can. And it's like, it's it's taking it to the extreme where then like someone who's not a part of that world or that market is all of a sudden like, well, well, I'm not going out and climbing 14ers on my, you know, weekends. Like, what am I doing with my life? Maybe I'm not an outdoorsy person. But like, again, like, it's this fallacy where we think that 
there's the human world and then the nature world. And there's this huge separation. It's like you go outside and like you're in nature anywhere you are, even if you're in the heart of a city, heart of Toronto, wherever you are, like that's nature. It's a concrete jungle. And it's like been created by man. Sure. But within that, there are pigeons. There's like moss. There's lichen growing on the buildings. There's like nature's there. It's coming. It's back. It's it never went anywhere. Um, I mean, and even being in, you know, this is one of my favorite games to play. Like when you go inside these kind of like massive man-made spaces, it's like trying to point, trying to find the the natural substrates. Yeah. I always find it really funny in an airport because everything in an airport is fucking plastic. It's like plastic <laughs> and metal. <laughs> and like, I don't know, like even being in here, it's like my desk is made of wood. That's nature. Like this glass is melted sand. Like the windows, like melted freaking sand. You can see through it. Like how does that, like everything <laughs> we have here is part of nature. Like we are not separate from nature. So I think it's just about like, you know, breaking down those those barriers to to access sure for people to get outside and and, and go to the forests um and be able to like spend their free time like free time quote unquote like live a, a life that is integrated with these outdoor spaces i think that's really important but also just breaking down that mindset of like thinking that we are separate from nature like everything that we have own touch smell is is nature even the plastic stuff that's you know old trees and and swamp from the carboniferous period turned into a fossil fuel melted down to make plastic to make this you know sweet little whatever it is that you've got this plastic yeah yeah it's a very positive way to look at like the little things that are still (laughs) natural in the world it's uh yeah it's funny man i do i do feel like people are starting over the last few years to actually like search out those places and search out a way to like find the little things in their life, like go for a walk outside, get some sunlight in your face, like mm-hmm. go and do the, it seems like that's one of the nice things about the COVID era is that people started to care a little bit more about their health. It feels like, and about the way that they connect mm-hmm. to the everyday life. Right. I think that that's been, yeah. that's been a big positive to what's, what's been going on for the last few years. Yeah, I agree. I, and I think, I, I think that's been has been like a contributing factor to people actually enjoying my stuff as well as that like we all kind of got to take a break from the regular grind and and see what other people were passionate about and like a lot of people have been able to really capitalize on on the COVID time spent when all of a sudden you're not having to like hustle and grind to just exist in this world that you are in a job that you don't necessarily like that you're not inspired by. I think it gave a lot of people a good opportunity to to do things different and think differently. And I think, you know, in in my world, I would love to create a a society that allows people to do that more regularly as part of their existence. And we don't have to rely on a global pandemic that shuts the world down in order for people to find what they like, maybe potentially. Right. Yeah. yeah potentially. There's there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of things like that that people like just picked up things it, mm-hmm. during COVID that they or even found interests on the internet that like they had no idea they'd be interested in at all. And then all of a sudden they're totally. taking a weird liking. And even if it's just at a distance, like I have been watching old Jewish men haggle for watches <laughs> for Rolexes on TikTok incessantly over the last few months. And I can tell you like every Rolex name now <laughs> because and I don't care about watches at all, but like when you find yeah. content and it's similar to what you do in a way where like, you find someone that puts out a message that is easy to digest for you. You feel like you can relate to in some way. 
and yeah. holds your attention, even if it's not like if you told me that people were going to get like TikTok or Instagram famous by selling watches and like doing terrible selfie videos of like themselves haggling, I and that would be content that people really engage with. Yeah, I told you you were a psychopath, right? And now we're in this point where like people can actually find that's a positive to the internet yeah. and social, right? Is you find a new way and a new thing to be interested in and get into the weeds, so to speak of totally like this new thing that you found. I agree. I think that's so funny. There's this, there's this kid. I don't even know his name, but I've seen, he like shows up on my like discover feed or whatever <laughs> from time to time. He's like, I don't know, 17 years old from England. He's a tr- train spotter. He's like into trains. <laughs> And he's got like 1.4 million followers or something. And like every video is him just like selfie, like so stoked because some like XM 3000 from 1972 is coming down the tracks and he like hasn't seen one of these in person. And it's like, it's so, it's so hilarious, but so great to see that there's so many people out there passionate about all these different things. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just, it's, I think it's good for people to, to do what they love and find something that they love. Yeah. I think we need to create a society that like does more of that, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think we're getting there. And I think to, to this point, kind of bringing it back to this conversation, I think what you're doing is Mm -hmm. allowing people to, to kind of reinvigorate something that they have in themselves and allow themselves to feel like, okay, maybe I'm not in nature right this second, but when I go outside, I'm going to look for these things. or I'm going to think about this this way. It's a new perspective for people to kind of be able to engage with in a way that feels because the content feels natural, right? Because you're outside, you're stoked, you're talking about it. And mm-hmm. now people are taking this, this so not natural thing, like staring at your phone screen and applying it in a way that's actually beneficial potentially to their lives. Right. Yeah. And I think like within that, there's like an element that like I've always wanted to expand on. Cause like a lot of the times I am out in the woods and I'm talking about more, um issues relative to like broader scale ecological function and like ecosystems like threatened and whatnot but like i you know people just going out wherever they live and like finding nature like nature's resilience like the if you're in a city like all the trees around you have surely been pruned and manicured by arborists in the area take a look at some of those the way those branches regrow like these trees are basically getting like annual maybe biannual haircuts that are like trimming them back all the new growth shaping them into what humans think is acceptable and then within that they will find a way to continue to create like a little wiggly branch to go some new direction to get some light you can look at the grass cracking through the the sidewalks like slowly trying to come back in these like various modes of succession the moss growing on on brick walls trying to break down that brick these you know brick rocks into little bits of gravel to form a soil so that some other species of like of grass can like plant in there and take root which eventually will create enough soil for some sort of tree to take root in there it's like all these slow processes of succession like nature is still very adamant about tearing down the world that we've created and that we're so dang proud of and i think it's beautiful to be able to look around and see that you know like little like 
mold growing on the side of a building, algae, lichen, like there's always all this stuff that we think of as like dirt and like derelict and it's like wrong or like the abandoned city block that's just like a field of wildflowers. We're like, oh, this is like scuzzy. We don't want to be here. But it's like that's nature just pushing on, like keeping on, keeping on. There's birds there. There's insects there. There's all this stuff there just like right within our city blocks, within our downtown that we don't even like stop to really think about or appreciate because we you know have have it in our minds that it's like this terrible thing yeah you know can i can i ask you about mushrooms and why like is it weird to you that people have taken (laughs) such an interest over the past (laughs) few years for like foraging and like getting into mushrooms and like obviously like there's people like paul stamens out there that are like they've been into this for forever and people have been following that but it seems like it's starting to take like maybe not mainstream attention but it's definitely getting there where people are like really into what they find out there and i think part of it is just how cool they look and the way that people think about mushrooms but when i was a kid it was like a thing you're like don't touch that like that's gonna be bad for you right and now you see people like (laughs) like actually actively hunting this stuff out and even it's funny. I looked at one of the comments on your post about fungi and this guy was like asking you about like whether this mushroom was okay to eat or something like that. And I was like, dude, like, this seems like the wrong way to ask somebody for advice, but yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's incredible. I think it's amazing. I think there should be more, more people doing that. I, I think it's all just kind of goes back to me being, I mean, it's inspiring to see people getting out and like rethinking, reimagining the way that we, use the world and that we have like our place in the world you know i see um people in the cities tearing out their front lawns to, to build gardens and it's like fuck yes like we should never even had lawns in the first place that's like a relic of like 1950s like post-war you know americana that says that life is good and green you can afford to have like a nice yard and picket fence like we should have never had that like I think it's great that people are being inspired to see what's around them and rebuild their connection to the world. And I think fungi, fungi are great. I think, I think part of the draw behind that, like, I I just think like, there's no way to cut it. Like fungi are weird. Like (laughs) they're like alien. Yeah, it is. It is just a weird kingdom of life and it's beautiful. Um, but I think like, you know, especially like the work that Stamets has done um, and that like so many people have done in that field, I think, and especially with like the kind of like awakening consciousness to psychedelics and stuff we're having as a society, I think people are finally realizing that there's like so many more things uh, that we can, you know, uh, I don't want to say use, but like do in partnership or in tandem with these other species of life on this planet yeah. that we hadn't thought of before, like beyond like the cremini mushrooms in like your salad. We're yeah. seeing that like there's all these things like, yeah, you can cook with them and and eat them. And like, yeah, it's a fun thing to do foraging, but like you can get medicine from them. You can heal trauma. You can heal like heart disease. You can heal so many different things from like different ingredients in this kingdom of life that has typically been overlooked by western science and i think that's a really cool special place for society to be in and i hope that continues yeah for sure on on the psychedelics of things <laughs> like it, is that is that an interesting thing to you like how people have like actually started to started to ve- to develop the use of that and how it's becoming not more com- like it's getting to a place where it's more commonplace that people are using psychedelics and they're like 
I don't know. People are starting to realize like, okay, it's not just some crazy, like we're not out here doing heroin. Like this is not the same thing in any realm. But I think that part of it too has, has opened a lot of people's eyes to just regular use mushrooms because they start thinking about mushrooms as this, like, I don't know, as like this magical healing thing. Right. So they start looking at nature in that way in a little different, in a little Mm -hmm. different light as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's, it's all just kind of like, in a way not to be like pessimistic about it but like kind of a commodifying of like indigenous wisdom all over the world that like western science quote unquote is now finally like kind of accepting for like limited uses but it's like you know like i think i think within the use spectrum of that there's there's a lot that still needs to be evolved from like a societal standpoint because it's like yeah mushrooms can do a lot of really good things and psychedelics can really help you in many different ways but it's also kind of i don't know not ethical for society at large to take bits and pieces from indigenous cultures Mm. um where like using these these tools these methods to heal traumas but not taking the ceremony or the Mm. the sort of like spiritual religious um connection that these cultures have had to it you know like and and most and i'm not like i'm not like an anthropologist like i don't (laughs) pretend to know all the different like bits about human relations to these different um different substances but in basically every culture there was like a ceremony involved you had like a a, someone to to guide you through this you had like it was a journey you know and and there was like a very much of like a from the earth to the earth type of relationship that you were like thanking the creator your people for um and i feel like we've kind of lost that spiritual connection of it because people are just like, you know, popping mushrooms, you know, daily like microdosing. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. That's great. But like, don't forget where this stuff comes from. And if you're like missing the whole reason why it exists just to get someplace where you think you're going to go, it's like, what's the purpose? Like the journey is like, you know, what, what makes anything worthwhile? Like getting to point A to point B isn't, isn't it, you know? So, yeah. You know, I think I think we need to focus a lot more on on bringing that sort of connection back to it with with those uses because as soon as we just kind of like commodify it to the point when it's just like no different than like going down to the pub and getting a beer yeah. it's like yeah yeah I mean it, there's a lot there's a lot too that I think and it's it's funny for a long time I looked at a lot of these like ceremonies that happen as like oh yeah this is for <laughs> rich white guys to go down and like have an excuse to go to South America for a week and like just, you know, get away from their busy corporate lives and then get right back into it. And I think there's, yeah, they might do the ceremony, but it's like, is one better than the other to go and do it's, I watched that. I don't know if you saw this documentary on Netflix that not even, I don't even know if it's a documentary. It's, uh, have a good trip. Have you seen this? I haven't seen that one. That's the one where like they all talk about that. It's like comedians and stuff, right? It's like a bunch of comedians and actors and like students in it talking about like going down and doing peyote. And and the way that he talks about (laughs) doing the ceremony is very, like it's very endearing. Like he almost focuses more on how, how the ceremony was than Mm. like doing peyote. Right. Like, and I think that that part was really cool. And that was, that was kind of eye opening to me that like, okay, like people actually do really care about that part. And that part of it does really, Mm-hmm. exist versus like i i was at a dinner a few weeks ago 
like at the Four Seasons with the guy that like with one of the people that is involved there and he was like oh yeah we should go down there and like lick toads for a little while and come back and I'm like <laughs> dude like what is this is this what it is like and then I'm just like oh maybe I'm not maybe I shouldn't be as positive about like you know people looking at things in a slightly different way but uh, yeah it's, right. it's really interesting well I think that's kind of like indicative of that very short-term pleasure focus like reward driven <laughs> kind of society that we've, yeah. we've found ourselves in you know like everybody wants the quick fix they want to be able to take the pill feel the thing have a story to tell about it like and and i feel like within that you lose like the connection you know like the the story the ceremony the the connection to not only the substance and the thing that you're taking but like with the, the where you are where it came from the people around you yeah. Like if you're just kind of looking at things as this like transactional, like through a transactional lens where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's going to get me this. And then I'm going to have that. It's, it, there's no substance there. There's no value to it. Like what's the point of, again, doing it. It's like the journey is what makes it memorable. What makes it like, you know, right. if you like, if you're going to the grocery store and you just like hopping, I don't know, like, this is weird. This is a weird analogy, but I'm rolling with it. It's like you're you're going somewhere. You're going to the grocery store and your main mode of transportation, you just like you hop in your car and you just get to the grocery store and you do your grocery shopping and you don't even think anything of it. It's just like mundane. But if you all of a sudden just like, I'm not going to go to the grocery store, even though it's two K's away, I'm going to walk. And then you like try a new route. You like go a different way. Like you're going to learn and see so much more on that route. You're going to have so many more thoughts. They're going to stick with you because they're going to be tied to new experiences. They're going to, you're going to have a thought about like your mother, maybe when you're looking at a particular tree. And then that tree will always remind you of your mother because you were doing something out of your mundane routine mm. that like, you're just, you're just in. It's the same thing with these drugs and stuff with all these substances. If we treat it the same, like without any sort of like depth to thinking or acknowledgement of what they are and the power they hold, like it just becomes mundane and like yeah you get to the grocery store but you've lost everything impactful and powerful along the way that was a good tie-in i actually like that that was a pretty good analogy i wasn't sure how you're gonna loop that one in there but I, <laughs> I i like that yeah dude you're right like if i go on a bike ride right like and i'm i'm just out for the ride and i just say that i did x amount of mile like i could easily just say i completed a route right but like the point in doing it is everything along the way like it's not to just do it and then just do it and it's done right like that's not right. the point is like remembering that you did it like what you take away during the route it's like the story that you tell it's i have the same issue with it's funny i've been on this like i hate powder skiing video clip lately like i i can't stand the like because like that's not what it's about like tell a story a little bit right like because something happened right. that day that's worth having a conversation about if if you choose to share it and i yeah powder skiing is great but i'd way rather hear about what happened along the way and like what that was like, as opposed to here's the sick Kulara skied. It was dope. Here's pow shots. Bye. Totally. You know? Totally. Like it's kind of, it's like, it's super tacky, but it's like, it's, it really is about the journey. It's about everything that goes yeah. through that. That's the know? relatable stuff, man. Type two fun suffer fest all the way. Like, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> what you remember, dude. Like, I don't remember stuff. Like, I don't remember the hundred mile ride that I did oh that was, like, easy and I just rolled through it. I remember the stuff that sucked ass. Like, and like, that, I remember how I felt <laughs> yeah. every step of the way because I was very present because I had to be. Yeah. And that's the stuff you remember. Like, you know, I've, I've been so very fortunate to have been able to travel to some amazing places for skiing, particularly, um, 
granted i was like the filmer guy so like i'd get there and it's like oh dude yeah it made me so jaded kind of in the long run it's kind of been one of the reasons why i've been stepping away from it but i'm going to these like amazing places in the entire world and lights perfect snow is perfect and i'm just sitting at the bottom waiting for people to ride yeah. i'm like god damn it. <laughs> yeah. what am i doing with my life <laughs> but like so many of these experiences like you know, like even like just navigating very complex terrain with new snow with like athletes who are like at their prime and having to like, you know, cut slope and like be um, strategic with like where you're going and how you're looking at stuff. And like, yeah, it's like you get the shots, but you never remember the shots. Like I was I was just kind of like blacking out, like I'm never present for getting the shot. It's like person skiing, they're the dot. I'm like, where are they in relation to everything else? How was they in the frame? How smooth the camera movement? Like, I'm not seeing it. Yeah. And then all I'm ever remembering is like that awkward position I was in or how snow got in my camera bag or like how wet my gloves were. It's like all these other yeah. things that are not the thing that like that society values. And then, yeah, then, then it gets posted to Instagram once, five seconds later, and it's gone and swiped away and no one ever sees it again. You're like, What's, yeah. what am I doing? Like, was that worth it? Yeah, that's one of the things that we are losing a little bit more and more, I feel like, is that like longer form, like, here's the journey, here's what it looks like, because everything is so fast paced, like here it is. But I, I do think that mm -hmm. there's, there's a good opportunity happening, whether it's, you know, on YouTube, or even in real life that like people are starting to care a little bit more about the entire experience and about telling that story. And I hope that that right. continues more and more. So, yeah, and I think I think the value there is, is again, building that connection, those stories with like your friends, with your community, with people around you, because that's what's really, truly valuable. Um, I mean, even even myself with this whole this whole channel, like I've had to really like check myself lately because it's just been like it's overwhelming at times. It's like it's a lot of work. And I find myself getting burnt out. And it's not like I'm like making money from this or anything. It's like a passion project. And I'm like why am I doing this? Like, what, what is this giving me and what is it taking away from me? So I've been like really trying to reflect on like how I can like step back to a degree to still be able to like create those memories and that fun with like the people around me and not focus so heavily on like trying to tell this plant's story to everybody on the internet at one time. It's like, it's overwhelming. And I think you got to have a balance. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Has there, has there been anything along this journey for you that you've been like, you're finding yourself personally very attached to that you're like, okay, this is a thing that I learned and I'm like actually genuinely super psyched about, I'm sure you're psyched about a lot of the stuff that you're doing, but has there been anything that stood out for you that you've learned along the way, like in nature that you're like, oh, this is a thing that I'm going to hold on to. I, I mean, all of it in a way. <laughs> Um, I knew that was going to be the answer. Like, uh, like, like, what do you mean? Like a really, like something that I recently learned that was like really provocative and like changed the way I think about things yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. Like something that you, you've come across and you're like, okay, like something that sticks with you, I guess, because that's always the stuff that I'm really interested in is the stuff that like kind of flips a switch in somebody's brain where they're like, okay, now I'm going to look at it this way. Yes. Um, I got to look up the name of this book. Uh, uh, sorry, one second. That's okay. <laughs> because, because this is, uh, okay. Yeah. Cause 
because yeah um every like once in a while you like read something that is like so profound like or, or like learn something that changes the way that you kind of think about things a little bit and i've had many many moments like this over the years um the first time i read braiding sweetgrass was one of those moments flip my world upside down uh, robin wall kimmer amazing book for those who haven't read it I feel like that needs to be required reading for everybody What's it called? on Turtle Island. Um, Braiding Sweetgrass. Um, what other books? The Timothy Morton's books. Yep. They're incredible. Like They are an incredible author. I highly recommend them to everybody. Um, very heady, very difficult to read at times, but if you can get through it, it makes sense. Um, and I'm in the middle of reading this book right now called A Forest Journey. Um a forest journey by John Perlin. And it's all just about, it's about how societies have used forests since like the beginning of time, basically, mm. or human time, human recorded Western European time. And it is, it's mind blowing because it is just, it's changing the way that I've, I think about societies and their connection to forests um, and especially because it's like it's through a very historical lens. So it's like I'm still I'm like halfway through it. But, you know, it's like talking about like the Greeks, the Romans, like all these different stages in history that like I learned back in like high school. Like, I don't know, like, you know, you know, like a little bit about it. Like, oh, yeah, the Phoenicians, they were sailing people. I remember that kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you learn the details of how like all of these societies they're like the reason they had a, an advantage over another people was because of their forests the reason they rose to any kind of power was because of their forests their access to wood so whether for shipbuilding for using fires to cook food for using fires for metallurgy to create copper bronze tin all the stuff that you need like all the mining stuff like you need fuel forests for fuel for that and then the reason that all these societies like the roman empire the reason all of these societies obviously there's like a lot of like nuances to like why all these societies rose and fell but a, a big majority of like or of the reasons why they all fell was because they lost access to those resources they cut everything down they no longer had access to wood for shipbuilding their navy suffered they no longer had access to wood for pottery for metals so like all of a sudden that like mm. and it's 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 changing the way that i think about the world and reflect on our relationship to forests and that's been really powerful and cool for me over the past couple of weeks yeah it's a great book that's awesome yeah and i gotta tell you like even just in this conversation like one of the things that i will take away from this is <coughs> the, the way that you said like looking at nature like a collaboration as opposed to just like a take 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 like that that's an interesting way to put it and it's just a way that i had never thought about it before hmm you know, yeah, like that's just a, it, and I don't, I think most people think about like, what can I get out of this as opposed to like, what is this giving me as opposed to like, it, you know, it's just a very one way street a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and what am I giving it? Like the reciprocity with it all. Right. Exactly. Like how does this all work together? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, what was that? Um, there was that book by, um, oh, like four fruits. Oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Help me out here. He's got a show on Netflix with mushrooms and stuff. He writes about food. Oh, oh, oh um, the guy. The guy. We all know the guy. The guy. Yeah. I'm blanking super hard right now, but yes, okay, I know what you're talking about. 
um he had the book on on foods using us basically i think yeah, it was like yeah, yeah. weed uh potatoes but i mean it's it's that same thing like the reciprocity like we're like oh heck yeah check out all these blueberries i got we're like living life huge right now we're doing so well but it's like those blueberries that blueberry bush is playing you because it wants to spread its seed and the more you eat and spread its seeds like you're helping it out so i think there's that element of like recognizing that like we're all just animals here and like yeah we need fuel to like fulfill our needs but like all these different plants and trees and everything like they have their own methods that they're using to fulfill their needs which are the same to survive and keep on keeping on so I think we can like just be real about that and recognize that like, you know, as much as we like to think of everything as our little tools and our pawns and we're the puppeteer of this world that we create, it's like we're, we're getting played just as much as everything else and that's just life and that's great. We're all part of this system. We're not above it. We're not beyond it. We are a part of it. So I think we need to embrace that much more. Yeah, for sure. Um, dude, this has been awesome. I'm going to let you get out of here. Um, I think both of our dogs are probably going to lose their shit in a minute. So I, uh, I'll let you get out of here, but where, where can people find your stuff? Like I saw you have a Patreon as well. Like where, where can people subscribe? Where can people stay engaged with the content? Like, tell me, (laughs) tell me all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so nerdy about nature is the handle. Um, I was going for nerdy by nature, throwback to the old naughty by nature 90s hip hop but that was taken at the time so nerdy about nature um on instagram at nerdy about nature tiktok same um we've got a website nerdy about nature you can sign up i'm starting to do more i'm gonna try to do more like e-newsletter stuff to kind of keep people engaged because i have a lot of different things going on there's a podcast nerdy about nature um, on spotify you can watch it there as well as on youtube um and then it's all supported independently um, through Patreon. So if you're enjoying the stuff that I do, uh, I would really appreciate your support on Patreon because it just, it helps me keep it unbiased and I don't want to have to be selling out and selling you things you don't need in order to like make my rent checks. Um, so I think that's like a really great, great way to do it. I'm, I'm all about the crowdsourcing crowdfunding bit because, uh, yeah, I don't want to have to take money and have someone tell me what to say in order to make money. And I, I don't think, I don't think anybody who listens or watches my content wants that either like nobody likes being sold things on instagram yeah help keep me from doing that thank you (laughs) you know it's really funny i i i actually really like that reasoning but i've never thought about it that way like i when i started this five years ago or whatever i was like oh we're never gonna take patreon money and now i've like over the last year i've been like uh i I probably should like it's probably worthwhile because like you're just loading these things with sponsors and like in on in my head i was like i'm never going to work with a sponsor that like controls anything but you're right like you are just selling stuff all the time you're becoming a sales vessel my thing was like i don't want to ask people for money right but like i think Mm -hmm. when people are willing to support it because they love it there's there's a give and take there that's also really important too that that i it took me a long time to recognize right yeah i mean again it's all it's we're all just one big ecosystem it's like i could sell you stuff you don't need if you want that but no one wants that we're all tired of being sold to you know like nobody wants to hear another ad yeah so if you got if you got one dollar to spare a month that keeps you enjoying this and like feel free to kick it my way it helps me keep doing what i'm doing and ideally you know i want to be able to expand and get to a point when i can hire people to help with it because it's it's a lot of work and uh it would be really rad to just continue to have this whole project grow and inspire more and more people but it's only so much i can do as one person so 
Yeah. Awesome. Dude, this has been great. Um, I appreciate the time. This is, uh, I, I love yeah, the content thank you. and I hope that, I hope that it continues on. I hope it keeps growing. Yeah. Thanks. And I really appreciate the time.